Well, good morning. Man, that's some good news, huh? You know, uh, me and Justice are talking Wednesday, and just to show you how good God is, how funny He is, we were talking Wednesday, and this is something that uh, we were preparing for Wednesday, and I went to his office, and usually when I get excited about a message, I talk to him, and I'm like, hey man, look, this is what we're talking about Wednesday, you know, you got any thoughts, any ideas? And so we start talking about this, uh, the meaning of the term stronghold. And so I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. If you ever talk to Justice about something you're excited about, sometimes he just has this look on his face and like he's perplexed. And you can't tell if he's like, if he's excited or if he's into it. And I'm like, all right, well, a little feedback here, Pastor. And then he's like, oh man, this means this. And then the excitement's come out and I'm like, oh yeah, all right. And so we go back to my office because I was at work and I was taking a small break to talk to him. And he comes up to me and he goes, uh, he was talk- I can't remember what he said, but I was like, man, this would be so awesome to preach to the church. You know, I get to talk to uh, the youth about it. And we're doing small groups. And so uh, Wednesday, I didn't really get to preach this. I just got to, you know, talk about it and reference it. And we got into small groups and was building on this uh, series we're in. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys tonight about Jesus, or this morning, excuse me, about Jesus over strongholds. So if you will, pray with me real quick and we're going to dive into the scripture. Heavenly gracious Father, Lord, thank you so much for your love, your kindness. Lord, I just thank you for your preparation, Lord, as uh, you just, even just me and Justice talking about this Wednesday and then this happening, Lord, we pray for a blessing upon him and Cammie, Lord. Hopefully they can go home and, and get some rest and those babies can uh, go a little further along in the process, Lord, so that they don't have to be in the, in the NICU or anything like that. Lord, we just pray that uh, you put a blessing upon them. She can go home and get some rest, Lord, and that you can just uh, minister into their lives right now, Father. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us this morning. We ask that your spirit just so move in us, Lord, that your word will just reign true. Father, I pray that you just so shine your light upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what I want to do is I want to read this scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 22. It's seven verses, and it's about David. I don't know if you know who King David is, right? He was references a man after God's own heart. And so many times when you want to look at Scripture, you want to know something about it, you can look at the life of David. Because David was an awesome man of God. But at times, he was also kind of a dummy. <laughs> he would just do some, of the, do some things that are just like, what are, you, what are you thinking, David? You're the king of Israel. What are you thinking, David? You're this holy man. You're this man after God's own heart. But see, even, even the highest and most holy people that you know that are in your life or that you've seen in the Bible, all but Jesus struggled and fell into temptation. They fell into what we would call a stronghold of the enemy. But also these men like David ran to the stronghold of God. And we're going to read about that and then break down that word for a minute. It says, And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my God in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I am saved from my enemies. The ways of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. Whoa. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I called. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. I just want to read that last verse one more time. In my distress. This is David. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I called. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. David was going through a struggle. In the first verse, it said that he was being delivered from his enemies. He's going through a struggle, and what he did is he said, I call to my Lord. And that's what we should do. David is a great example of how to run to the stronghold of Christ rather than the enemy. And in a minute, we're going to see how he ran to the stronghold of the enemy. But let's find out what this word stronghold means. And right before we dig in, I just, I just want to pray again. Lord, may you just, may you just shine and take over. May you clearly show us what it is you want us to hear today, Father. May you deliver us from anything holding us back, Lord. 
May you show us in our lives if there's any strongholds that we're running to, Lord, if there's any places that we're running to that's not of you. Lord, teach us this morning to learn how to run to you. Lord, how to get out of the enemy's stronghold. Lord, deliver us today. Break some chains in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what, is, what does this word stronghold mean? This word stronghold means a refuge, a secure height, a retreat. It's a figurative of security, a place that has been fortified so as to protect against attack, a fortress, a strong defense, in some senses, a prison. And what I love is like when you look up this word stronghold, the definition shows castle, fortress, fort. Well, that word fort is a walled structure built to defend against the enemy's armies. Man, when I was looking up the definition of this word, when I saw that, I was just like, all right, this is going to be fun. I like this word, this word stronghold. So when David is crying out to God in verse 3, he says, My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What he's saying is, is my fortress, my place that I can go to that has structures, has these walls built around me so that when the enemy attacks, I'm ready. See, this fort, this stronghold is built for the enemy's attack. It's built for defense and it's also built to mount an attack so that when the enemy comes, the enemy's not going to overcome you. When the enemy comes, he's going to defeat the enemy. Notice I didn't say we're going to defeat the enemy. I said he's going to defeat the enemy. He calls God his stronghold, his fortress, his castle, his refuge, his place of safekeeping, his place of protection. So why are we talking about this, this word stronghold today? Well, we're going to talk about it because a lot of us are in the stronghold of the enemy. See, the thing about a stronghold is this. Is a stronghold is a place built to defend against the enemy's armies. But on the other side, if you're captured by the enemy and you're brought to their camp, you've been imprisoned in the stronghold of the enemy. And let me tell you, being imprisoned in the stronghold of the enemy is not a good place to be. See, the enemy wants to bring you here and tell you, oh, hey, man, we'll feed you the best food. We're better than the other guys. It's more pleasurable over here. And so they bring you over to the camp. In a minute, I'm going to reveal some of the ways that he does this. I'll bring you over to the camp. But once you get in the enemy's camp, they throw you in the prison. The enemy's camp will always bring you down will always put strongholds or other things upon you, chains and things to bring you down. The enemy does not want to build you up. If you don't know who that enemy is, I'll tell you right now, it's the devil and his army. He wants to destroy you. He doesn't want you to seek after God. He's going to find every way that he can in your life to bring you into his prison, into his stronghold. Because let me tell you something about the devil. The devil wants to be God. He wants to be everything that God entitles. He sees everything God has and he wants it. So he sees, all right, hey, God has built this castle, this fortress for each person that believes in him. He protects each and every one of them. So if God has a castle, if God has a fortress, if God has a stronghold, I need one. I need a place that I can uh, bring up all of my schemes. I need a place that I can torture the enemy. I need a place of defense against God. So if God has it, he's going to try to do it as well. Let me tell you something. It's not going to be anywhere near as strong, as beautiful, as amazing, as encouraging as God's. But he's going to try. Because he wants to be God. He wants you to worship him. That's what he wants. The enemy wants you in his stronghold. The enemy wants you under his grips. Well, how... How do I know? How do I know if I'm in the stronghold of the enemy right now, Anthony? Tell me, how do, how do I know if I'm running to God or if I'm running to the enemy? How do I know if that when I'm going through something, I'm with God rather than the enemy? Well, I'm glad you asked today, church. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that question. See, James 1, 
verse 14 and 15, says this, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let me ask you a question, well, a series of questions that you can use to reflect on yourself. Where do you go to when times are hard? What do you run to when you're stressed? Where do you go when the going gets rough? Are you running to Jesus? Are you running to your phone? Are you running to your game station? Do you run to your wife? Do you run to your friends? Do you run to the bar? Do you grab your cigarettes out your pocket? Do you run to drugs? Do you run to the Word of God? Are you grabbing your Bible in the times of stress, in the times of pain, when you're so overwhelmed that it's hard to breathe? Who are you running to? Where are you going? Because you may not know this, but where you run when the struggle comes, that's the stronghold that you run to. Okay, well, Anthony, what, what about all these things? Because, so, you know, you could use some of these things in a godly manner. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's look at it this way. The things that you're running to, do they bring you closer to God or further? Because that's the only question you need to ask when it comes to who am I running to when the going gets tough. If you're running to God in His fortress, if you're running to His protection, His encouragement, and His building you up, then everything that you go to is going to bring you closer to Him. Everything that you go to is going to point you straight to Him. On the other side, the way that you know that you're running to the stronghold of the enemy, that you're running to be imprisoned by the enemy and you don't even realize it, is if you run to anything that points you away from Christ. So let me be, let me be a little real and honest with you guys for a minute. And I'll give you an example in my life. 2020, as for many of us, was kind of rough, right? You know, it was... I mean, there wasn't much going on in 2020. There was no big ordeal happening, you know. But 2020 was kind of rough for me spiritually. Not so much physically. Praise the Lord, I didn't lose my job. Praise the Lord, we didn't lose much income. Praise the Lord, I didn't lose any of my kids. My wife didn't get sick. My kids didn't get sick. Praise the Lord, I didn't get sick. But 2020 was a rough year for my family. My sister was murdered. We had a lot of ups and downs in the family, pains in the family. But 2020, in a lot of ways, I ran to Christ in His stronghold for protection and help, especially with the death of my sister. But in a lot of ways, I ran away from Him. In 2020, I probably watched more television than I ever have. In 2020, since I've been married, i probably played more games on my phone and on my Xbox than I ever had. And the reason why was because when the going got tough, I wanted to be distracted. I didn't want to face the emotion. I didn't want to face the struggle. I didn't want to deal with it. And so anytime I felt it coming, I would choke it down and I would put a movie on. Something that I know would distract me, make me laugh, get me interested. If that didn't work, I'd play a game on my phone. If that didn't work, I'd put both on. I'd put a, a movie on and I'd be playing a game. And my wife would be like, how can you focus? I'm like, it's working. I'm having fun. I'm not stressed. And that built up and built up and built up and built up and built up. And I had a couple breakdowns last year. I had a couple breakdowns. I almost went... I called a couple psychologists. I thought I was going to go talk to them. I decided not to. But what was going on is, is I was making a choice every time something happened, every time something went in my life, every time I felt stressed. Because let me tell you, you could, if, if everything was quiet in my office and my kids came in there running and screaming, my stress level went from down here into a good day to skyrocketed. So much so that I didn't even recognize myself numerous times. Because I would immediately yell, like, get out of the office! Be quiet! And then the rest of the day, I'm, I'm so stressed. My, my level is so high that my family's walking on eggshells. 
And it's all because of the choices that I would make. When stress would come, when temptation would come, because let me tell you guys, I'm not used to wearing a mic on my chest, sorry. I'm not perfect. Although I love God half the time, I'm scared to run to him. Because I know that when I run to him, I'm going to look in the mirror and have to face those emotions. I have to face the evil desires inside of me. And the only way that they're going to get out is if I run to him. The only way that it's ever going to get better, that I'm ever going to see the light in the midst of the darkness, is if I run to him. But it can be scary. So why are we talking about strongholds today? Because so many of us are in strongholds and we don't even know it. And the stronghold that we're in is the prison of the enemy. And we don't even know it. Most of the year last year, I knew something was different with me. But I didn't realize I was imprisoned by the enemy because my desire wasn't running straight to God. It was running to something else. Something that would take my mind off of it rather than help me deal with it, rather than help me overcome it. And all it would do is bring me darker and darker into a dark place. It was pulling me further and further away. And I praise God that I had men in my life. I had my wife, and and don't get me wrong, I love my wife, and she gave me so much encouragement. And praise the Lord for her during that because I was a really angry man in 2020. And I'm still overcoming some of those things. But praise the Lord for men like Darren and Randy and Jared and Henry. I tell you, there's only one man in my life outside of my dad that I've ever, like, ran to. And I, like, I, I just got to give him a hug every time I see him. It's Bear. Brother Bear. Anytime I see Brother Bear, I got to give Brother Bear a hug. I love that man so much. He has done so many ways to minister in my life that it's amazing. See, me and Darren weren't close, and so I started going to the gym and going there and how much he pushed me and encouraged me. When Cheyenne died, I was like, I'm not, I'm not missing church. Going to church, came the next day. And the whole way there, I'm thinking, I got to go see Darren. I got to go see Darren. I got to go see Darren. And me and Darren aren't, weren't super close. And I'm like, why am, I, why, am I, why am I wanting to go to Darren? And I walk in the door, and I remember seeing LaShawn. She goes, you okay? And I'm like, no, I need to see Darren. And I couldn't make, I couldn't make it to the sanctuary. He was in here practicing. And so I like hid in the, like, the pre-K room, you know, the place that's being constructed right now. So I hid in that room. And I remember, I was like, all right, choking down the tears, wiping it away, because, you know, man, I want to be see crying in front of everybody. And I get to the coffee bar, and Darren's like full-fledged, not running, but like speed walking. And as soon as... He wrapped his arms around me. It just all, it just all came out. I don't think I've ever cried like, like a baby so much in front of people in my life. But I praise God for the men in my life like that. I praise God for Jared and Randy. There's so many times this year that I text them like, hey, man, I'm just so overwhelmed with anger. I'm so overwhelmed with temptation. I need prayer. I need something. And they would text me. They'd call me. They'd send me scriptures. And in those times, in the midst of those situations, in the midst of those temptations, when you can find someone who will be there for you, who will encourage you, you're running to Christ. And you need that in your life. You need godly men and women. I know so many times that you think you can do it on your own. And you can sometimes. But there's times that you you just can't. See, the Word of God shows us that if we're going through temptation and we run to Christ, He will show us the way out of temptation. He will show us the door that will lead to Him and not falling into temptation. Because if you're like me and you've ever been addicted to anything, if you're like me and you have evil desires in your heart, as soon as you do it, you feel like the nastiest, most disgusting, sinful person in the world. And you know it. Even when you're doing the sin, It just destroys you. But see, when you have these men and women in your life, and you have to look for them, okay? Because before I came to Valutala and before I started getting into small groups and going to places where I knew other men were, I didn't know anybody in this church well enough to trust them. 
And I'd fall so many times because I didn't have anyone to run to. See, I would pray, and I would seek God, and I would read the scriptures when I was younger. But I didn't have the other men to encourage me. Because even though I knew what the scripture said, I would read it and I'd still be dealing with it because I didn't have someone to pray for me. I didn't have someone to walk beside me. If you're a man, you know the struggle of, I don't want to go to my wife when I'm low, when I'm, when I'm going through something. Because as a man, you don't want to see your wife hurt or saddened by you. But see, there's times where I just suck it up and I run to her because she's my best friend. She knows me better than anyone else. My wife is a part of my accountability partners along with Jared and Randy. They're the ones that keep me on a straight line. When I'm going through something, those are the three that I run to more than anybody else. Man, I haven't even got to the scripture yet. Whew. Talk about so many different points and everything already, and we're not even digging into the scripture. See, the, the thing is, is how do you know that you're in the enemy's camp? How do you know that you're in prison? It's when you're pulled away, when you're lured away from Christ by the own evil desires in your heart. See, the devil can't just put stuff inside of you. He can't just go, drop that in your mind. He doesn't know what's going on inside of you. The Holy Spirit does. See, when you fall into temptation, when you're wanting to do something evil that you know is not good, even if it's just back-talking, your parents yelling at your kids for something that shouldn't be yelled at, anything, that's the own desire inside of you that you have to fight off as a Christian. That we're learning to fight and battle. But the way to battle it is not by giving in to the desire. It's by giving the desire to Christ. Running to that stronghold and saying, all right, God, I need you right now. I need you more than anything right now. Let me show you what happens in Scripture, because we just talked about David and how amazing David is. In 2 Samuel, I don't think I wrote the right Scripture down. I did not. Let me see. I know where it's at, though. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we're going to read about David and Bathsheba. Many of you know this story. I laugh a lot of times when I read this story because it's so silly, and I'm surprised stuff like this happened back then. We're going to read the first five verses. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I hear some of you flipping, so I'm going to wait. We just talked about how he's a man of God's own heart. Let me tell you, David is one of the most holy men in the Bible. One of the most godly men. And if you want an example of how to be run to David. Women, you can look at David and learn how to be a godly person in Christ. See, men can learn from women and women can learn from men. Not everything applies to each other, okay? Not everything applies to the opposite sex. But men, you can look at Ruth. And you can learn the example of how to be humble and amazing and be a, a godly person. I want you to look at this and, and see David's struggle. It says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw the roof of a woman bathing. And that woman was beautiful. That part I always laugh at. Why are you taking a shower on your roof? But anyways, so it happened late one afternoon. Whoa. Can you turn me down just a little bit? It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof on the king's house that he saw the roof of a woman bathing. And the woman was beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman and said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. 
before David even committed the sin of having her come over and y'all are old enough to know what they did to have a baby. He asked, he's like, who is this woman? And he was told she is married to Uriah the Hittite. See, David's at a crossroads right now. David is a holy man of God, but he's at a crossroads. He walked up to the roof and he seen a woman bathing and he thought she was beautiful. Instead of running to God, walking away from the rooftop, no longer looking, he's like, let me inquire about who this woman is. Because see, David's the king and he could have anybody he wanted, right? And he already had hundreds and hundreds of concubines and wives already, but yet he's still looking for another person. He's still looking for someone else. And so he asks his people about it, well, who is this woman? And he makes a decision, all right, I'm not going to run to God in this situation. I'm going I'm to run away from him because I know that my God looks down on this. I know that my God is not for adultery, but I'm going to do it anyways. And so when he makes this choice, he's not run into God's stronghold anymore. What stronghold is he run into? Come on, guys, what stronghold is he run into? He's run into the enemy's stronghold, and he doesn't even see it. See, what happens is, is when we do this, we don't just come from the... The, the stronghold of God and go, I'm in the stronghold of the enemy. What we do is we crack open the door and we look outside and we're like, it looks a little safe. It looks, maybe, I can just, maybe I can just peek out of it. Maybe I can just look at on the rooftop. And so then he has the door behind him and he's outside the castle. I know this is silly, but this is, this is what we do, guys. And this is what David's doing. And he's stepping out the fortress of God. And he's looking out at the world. He's looking over at the enemy's camp. And he goes, well, let me, let me ask. We'll say the speaker is the, is the kingdom of God and, and the, the, the fortress, and this is the enemy's camp. And he's asking his people about it. Like, Who is this woman? Well, then he dives full-fledged in. Okay? And now he's at the door of the enemy's camp. See, he's not fully in the prison of the enemy right now. Because at this point, David could confess, he could repent, and he could walk right back into the kingdom of God, into the fortress, but he's at the enemy's door, he's already committed the sin, and she's already pregnant. And now, now David has to justify what he did and hit it. See, it's the same thing with addiction, guys. When you're addicted to something, this is what you do. You play this little cat and mouse game, and you're like, well, let me, let me, today I'm going to be in God's camp, the next day I'm going to be in the middle, and the next day I'm going to run all the way over and be imprisoned again. It's not just like that for addiction. It's a struggle, period. It's temptation, period. When we are tempted, we're doing this. Well, it looks, it looks pretty nice outside the, ca the castle. Maybe today I go play in the, in the dandelion field. And so David when he commits this sin, he does what most of us do. He starts trying to justify it. He starts trying to find ways to hide it. And we could read the rest of this passage, but for the sake of time, and most of you probably know the scripture, we're just going to highlight David and what he did. See, in verse 6, David does this. He says, So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. You think he's calling Uriah to say, hey, I slept with your wife and she's pregnant? No. That would have been the godly thing to do, to, to confess to God and ask for him for repentance, but then also to confess to the man that you committed the crime to. See, even in the Ten Commandments, it says not to, not to covet another man's wife. Well, David did, and he got her pregnant. And so he could have called and he could have tried to reconcile this, and he was the king. There were so many things that he could have done. But he's by the enemy's camp. He's at the enemy's door. And see, now the enemy can just lay little nuggets down, little cookies down to pull him into the camp, and he didn't even have to do anything. The enemy didn't even have to lift a finger except to open the door. And David's just walking on in. See, we give, we give the enemy way too much credit. We're like, oh, the devil made me. No, the devil didn't do anything. You had desire in your heart, and you chose to do it. And all that he did was he opened the door for you to enter his stronghold, and he led you down to his prison. He led you down to his prison. See, that's just verse 6. In verse 9 through 11, this happens. See, 
David wanted to send Uriah home to his wife so that Uriah could make love to his wife and that he would think that the baby is his. Well, this happens. David's plan doesn't go accordingly. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? See, Uriah was a godly man. He's like, look, all my brothers are over there fighting this war. And you want me to go home and be cozy in my bed? Come on, King David, would you have done that? The answer would have been no. David would not have done that at a certain point in his life. He'd be at the battle. See, it's even earlier, it said that in the spring, in the spring, in the spring of the year, if I could talk, the time when kings go out to battle, David didn't go out to battle. At one point in time, David would have been at that battle. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man among men. Oh, can't even talk. Man among men. And that's what Uriah's been. That's what Uriah's doing right now. Verse 14 and 15, this happens. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. This is just wrong. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting. And then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. David sent a letter with Uriah that had his own death notice in it. Now, Uriah wouldn't have opened this letter. As you already seen the character of Uriah, Uriah had tremendous character. He was probably a godly man. It doesn't say what his, his, his faith was in God. But he had respect and reverence for the king and for his people. He delivered his own death notice to his commander-in-chief. And that's exactly what happened. Uriah was killed in the battle. Verse 26 and 27. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David is so encamped with the enemy that he is in the deepest parts of the prison. I'm going to sit down for a minute just to show you. Some of you can't see me, and I'm glad that you can't. Because this is where David was. He was so lost in his sin. So lost in the prison of the enemy, and the enemy only had to open the door. That's a lot of us today. That's a lot of us during 2020, during 2021. We just walked right into the enemy's camp. We walked right out of the stronghold of God where our protection is, where our Savior is, where our deliverance from our pain and agony is. The true way to battle what you're going through, to battle the desires in you, is not to hide from them. It's to fight them face on. But not to fight them face on by yourself, because if you fight by yourself and you try to fight the own evil desire inside of you by yourself, I'll give you the heads up, you're going to fail. You may win a few battles here and there, but if you're battling by yourself, you're going to fail. Because you can't deliver yourself from the sins. You can't deliver yourself from your own evil desires. You can't deliver yourself from the temptation. So you can put things in your path to help you not do anything, but to truly be delivered from addiction, to truly be delivered from the evil desires in your heart, you have to step into the fortress of the king who will deliver you from them. Don't be like David in this passage, yet we so many times are. We look at the thing of the enemy. Oh, it's just a TV show. I know there's some things in that show that I shouldn't be watching, but I'll just pray later and ask God to race it out of my mind. I, not, I know that doing these things are illegal. I know, I know that 
doing these things aren't of God, but it's okay, I'll repent. You know, I'll repent. But if when you repent, if you really have no sorrow for what you've done, are you really repenting at all? And so we're like, I'll, I'll repent, I'll repent. And we think we're walking back towards God, but really, because you're using it as an excuse to keep on sinning, you're just walking further closer to the, to the fortress of the enemy. See, David kept making excuses for his sins. He kept trying to hide it. And he built upon his sin and built upon his sin and built upon his sin. So that he was so far stuck into the enemy's camp. And when he got there, he probably was wondering, how did I get here? How did I get so far imprisoned by the enemy? How did I get so far away from God? Why can't I hear his voice anymore? Why is it so hard to pray? Why do I find it a struggle to read his word anymore? The answer is, your own evil desires lured you away from God. See, God never left. Because as soon as you open this door, God was walking beside you. See, Ephesians 6 tells us that we have a spiritual armor. We have a, breast pl- a breastplate, we have a helmet, we have a sword, we have a shield, we have a belt of truth, and we have gospel uh, sandals with the gospel of peace. And he's just holding your armor. Like, hey, man, whenever you're ready to overcome this, I got your armor right here, and we're going to go back to our fortress, and we're going to overcome the enemy. He never left you. What's funny is the enemy can't stop God from entering the camp. The enemy has no stronghold, no barrence over God. God can do as he pleases. And so even as you're in the prison, I'm not going to go down there this time. God's just standing right here and say, hey, look, man, just open your arms and I'll deliver you. Open your arms and I'll pull you out of the mess that you've made. Return to me, seek me, and I will help you. The entire time he's just walking with you and he's talking to you, but you're so far caught up in your own evil desire that you can't hear him. And when you do hear him, you're justifying the sin that you committed. Now look, when I say you guys, I'm not just talking about you individually as people. I'm talking about me, myself, and Irene. I'm looking in the mirror. Because 2020 was this for me. It was just this back and forth. One day I'm in the stronghold of God. The next day I'm walking into the prison again. And I'm in that prison until I apologize, until I seek God, and I say, I need your help and I need your deliverance. And he'd pull me right back out every single time. That's not to say that there weren't consequences for my actions, consequences for what I'd done. But every time God pulled me right back and said, hey, I love you. I'm going to build you back up. Every time. Because God is faithful and just to deliver you. Let me ask you this question. How, how can I be delivered from the enemy's camp? How can I be delivered from the enemy's camp? So we've already kind of discussed this, but I want to give you some scripture to show you the things that you can do. See, first I want to go back to 2 Samuel. I'm already in it. (laughs) Chapter 22. And I want to read verse 4 and verse 7. I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. If you're stuck in the stronghold of the enemy, the way to get out of the stronghold of the enemy is to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. The name that is worthy to be praised and the only one who can save you from your sins. Verse 7 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord to my God. I called from His temple. He heard my voice and my cry came to His ears. See, the thing is, as soon as you walk out of those doors, you can start crying to Him, Lord, pull me back. Lord, correct my steps. No matter where you're at in this journey, if you're already in the camp, if you're in between the camp, or if you're just right outside the doors, just call upon the Lord and He will deliver you. He will show you the way out of the temptation that you're battling. He will show you how to overcome the evil desire that you're having, whatever it may be. And all you have to do is call upon Him. But here's the second step. You have to listen. 
when you call upon him, you have to listen because he's going to try to show you. But if you're not listening and you're not watching, you're not going to see the way of escape and you're going to fall right into it. See, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But on purpose, I left out the first part of that verse. It says, if you will confess and repent. There's an and there, which means both. You got to confess the sin that you've committed. You got to confess what you've done and ask God to forgive you and help you no longer do the things that you're doing. We serve a just God, a mighty God. We serve a God who took a step down from his glory and came in the flesh so that he could already know what you're going through. God knows the temptation. He knows the struggle. And Jesus conquered it all. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered all the temptations. And it's because he always sought God. Jesus showed us the way. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except by me. And he showed us the way in the midst of temptation. If I'm going through something, if I'm feeling weighed down by the world, if I'm feeling off balance spiritually, if the path that I'm going down physically is not good, I just this is, I turn back to God. I need to put my eyes back on the prize. James chapter 5 talks about finding a brother or a sister. You know, I spoke about this earlier. Find someone to confess with, to confess to, and, and, and get them to help you. It's not, you're not confessing to your brother or sister for the forgiveness of sins. See, when I call Jared and, and Randy and Henry and, and Darren or anybody else and I'm going through something, I'm not confessing to them for forgiveness of sins. Because the one that I'm confessing to forgiveness of sins is God. I'm confessing to a brother or a sister because I need the darkness to flee. See, if you're going through something and you feel the darkness all around you, there's one way to make the darkness flee. You bring light into the equation. See, when you speak the dark deeds that you've done, that's light coming out of your mouth. And your brothers and sisters in Christ, the ones who are truly godly. They're going to point you to Christ. They're going to pray with you. They're not going to condemn you. See, if you're somebody's accountability partner, never, ever condemn them. Walk through it with them. And I thank God that those who help me keep accountable Walk through it with me. These men never talk down to me or condemn me. They correct me. Let me, let me explain that. They correct me. They encourage me. And they build me up. And they always, always, always point me back to Christ. Without Darren and these other men, and there's so many of you guys in this room, that I could just you stand up and I could tell you so many things about him. About Mr. Dwayne, my dad-in-law. Mr. Henry. Mr. Ron, Mr. Nestor. Mr. Mike. All these guys. I could call to at any moment and I know that they'd be there for me. It wasn't an overnight thing, guys. I didn't trust these guys overnight. Praise the Lord, I've been here since 2013, so I've got to know a lot of these men. Nathan and Josh, I could call them. I don't very often, but I could. It's important to have someone that you can run to outside of your wife, 
outside of your family. It's hard to talk to your family about issues with family, right? You need that brother or that sister that will strap on the armor of God with you and will fight through it all. They'll fight through it all. Again, it's not because they're going to save you. It's not because they can deliver you. But it's because two are stronger than one. And three are stronger than two. Proverbs tells us that iron sharpens iron. And I can tell you right now, Randy has helped me to sharpen the iron inside of me. Randy's my best friend. And what I love is that he's not afraid to push me. He's not afraid to say, hey man, I don't, I don't agree with what you, what you think that scripture means. He's not afraid to debate with me, but when we debate and when we disagree, we always come back together and say, hey man, I may not agree with you in this topic, but I love you. See, Christ is more than capable of delivering you from your sin. And I just want to share this passage with you and, and show you <laughs> how undeniably weak the enemy is and how incredibly strong our God is. In Joshua chapter 6, see, all of Joshua's talking about the Israelites going into a land that God has promised them. And God's delivering them left and right and left and right and left and right. And I just so love this story. Joshua chapter 6. God's talking to Joshua and he says, look, I'm going to show you how to, how to overcome the stronghold of Jericho. The fortress of Jericho. See, the city of Jericho had walls built around it to protect them against the enemy. To protect them against attack. And most of the time when an enemy has a fortress, a castle, you build siege ramps, and you attack it, and you, you know, nowadays we can use explosions and we can use airplanes and all these things to attack their fortress. But this is how great our God is. He's like, Josh, what I want you to do is for seven days, I want you to walk around the wall, the walls of the city of Jericho. Don't touch it. Don't attack it. Just walk around it and blow the trumpets. And so they do. He says, on the seventh day, the only thing I want you to do different is I want you to walk around the walls of this city seven times. And then I want you to play the trumpets. And I want everyone to shout. And this is what happens in verse... 2021. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city. Every man straight before him and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword. Our God is so much stronger than the enemy. Our God is so much stronger than the thing that has a stronghold over you, that has you imprisoned. Our God is so much stronger than your desires that he told the people of Israel, walk around the enemy seven times. Play the trumpets and shout, I got the rest. The nation shouted, and the walls fell down. They didn't pick up a finger. They walked around this fortress. Let me tell you, a fortress is built for the, to withstand the enemy. The enemy didn't even touch it. They, they shouted and, and worshipped God by playing the trumpets, and God struck down the walls. The enemy has no defense against our God. 
He can build up all the walls that he wants to. Let me tell you, Satan can do anything that he wants to to try to fight God, but we already know how it ends. There's going to be a time where he's stuck for a thousand years in this bottomless pit. Then he's going, to, he's going to come back out and he's going to roam around for a little bit, but then God's going to defeat him fully by throwing him into the depths of hell, into the lake of fire. The devil cannot stand against God. He can try all he wants to be. He can try all he wants to. The enemy can do everything he can to defeat you, but let me tell you something. The God of angel armies is stronger than the enemy. The God of angel armies is stronger than your evil desire. The God of angel armies is stronger than any one of you put together. And the God of angel armies, our Creator, our King, our Savior, is ready to deliver you from whatever it is you're going through with arms wide open he wants to deliver you he wants to pull you out of that darkness out of that prison and he wants to embrace you back in his fortress he wants to embrace you the thing I ask you is are you willing to embrace God today when you're going through the tough times, are you willing to run to the fortress of God? The place where your Savior is, the one who is there to protect you and, and fight, the, fight the angels and the, and the demons of the enemy. Are you willing to run to Him today? So we're going to sing the song in just a minute that I love. And we're going to dismiss. And I hope that if there's anything you take away from today is our God can deliver you from what you're going through without you lifting a hand. It's nothing that you need to do physically. It's all spiritually. Are you willing to seek our King today? Heavenly Father, I know what it's like to be in the camp of the enemy, Lord, and be so stuck there that I don't even know how to get out. But your word is clear, Father, that you are our stronghold, you are our refuge, you are our savior, you are our deliverer. I ask today that you deliver us. I ask you today that you break the chains that the enemy has put upon us. I ask today, Lord, that the enemy's camp will be destroyed. I ask today, Lord, that you bring us into your stronghold, into your fortress, Lord, that you cleanse us of our unrighteousness, cleanse us of our sins, cleanse us of our, our wicked ways, of the desires that we have that are not for you, Lord. I ask that you take this heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh, that you overcome us, Lord, that you help us to see your light in the midst of darkness. And I ask that you help us to seek you in praise because your name is worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.